The angel has the TARDIS. Welcome to the Hooving Review. I am Michael. I'm Shelby. Colin is signing in. I am Jace. And tonight we will discuss Once Upon a Time. Or Upon Time. Sorry. Yeah, this isn't like some fairy tale fantasy story. This is sci-fi, Michael. (laughs) All right. I just want to start off this with a little rant here. I... Love this episode. I thought this was phenomenal. We've got this epic, tragic love story between, like, Belle and Vinder, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I would love to see, you know, some compa- some more companion action from those two. And we got some character development from Dan, and actually, you know, for Yaz and the Doctor's relationship as well, not to mention all of the phenomenal information we got about the Doctor's backstory bleeding in. I just thought that there was a lot of really exciting things, and I just had to get that off my chess. Wow, I was expecting I, like a rant rant. You're just over here at the end, girl. I, I yeah, think I would, like, you're going into ratings. I'd I, I point out that this was a great opportunity for them to dive into the character development. And they, they did have an inventive way of figuring out how to discuss the three different main characters, Vinder, Dan, and Yaz, and give them a little bit more backstory, but also give the Doctor backstory as well. This um, major so backstory. Discovering, we're, we're all discovering at the same time all four of these characters, which I'm guessing you could all say are pretty much now part of the TARDIS group. I just think that this episode was like the like most accurate definition of time just being timey-wimey. Like, there are so many points where I didn't know if we were in the future, if we were in the past, if this happened, if it didn't happen. It was just all wibbly-wobbly, but it came together at the end. And watching it for the second time, things made a lot more sense. But I'll be honest, not too, too much more sense. Yeah, I feel like I needed to watch this um, another time, you know, after seeing it the first time. Like, already, like, I was asking... Uh, you know, uh, you guys, just before we started podcasting, what was going on here, <laughs> by the way? Oh, 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 okay, so I I actually, uh, I felt like I was able to follow it, although I, I, I was tricked by it because, like, I definitely thought at first when we, we saw, you know, the Doctor and, and Yaz and Dan and Vinder, like, all standing there with the guns, I thought, oh, this is, like, this is in the Doctor's future, like, near future. Mm-hmm. This is, like, flash-forwarding to that, like, end of the season or end of the episode or whatever. But it wasn't. But so what it actually was, was this was back when the uh, the Ruth Doctor was um, – you know, was the doctor, and sh- and she was part of that uh, foundation. I think it's called or division or division. The division, um, where they go around and they do. I don't know the, the time police, uh, basically. And sh- she was working with the time dog cop. guy. 
Um, mm. I can never remember his name. Caravanista or something like that? Oh, yeah. Car- Car- something like a pasta. Yeah. Something pasta-like. Carbonara. Carbonista. Carbonista. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that guy um, and two other people who I think they didn't reveal who they were yet. I don't mm-hmm. think. No. Um, and, you know, and then went in and invaded at like this this place um and that's where those uh the people with the crystals growing out of their heads mm. were and that's like was their thing is that they were like ah oh, time and space are at war against each other which makes no sense because they're literally the same thing but that aside they can have their own opinions well, yeah. they, they did say the time was different. evil you know in the last episode. that could explain why the tardis is deteriorating because the tardis is has a lot to do with time Space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if it's fighting, it's whole shtick. Well, if it's fighting, if there is a truly a battle between the two in some weird form or whatever, the TARDIS is a component of both. So there's an internal battle within the TARDIS itself. Possibly. Well, I mean, there is an internal battle within the TARDIS because it's powered by a collapsing star in the process of becoming a black hole frozen in time. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I get that, but I'm just saying in, in terms of this plot line. Yes, Yeah, the yes, black definitely. hole stuff, you know, and infinity and time, all well, that all makes perfect sense. Uh, well, I, that's at least stuff that's been established pre this episode. But but anyway, so then so they go in and they attack this base and they imprison these people and they set up Atropos, these. Atropos, I think it's called. Yeah, 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 that place. Atropos. I I will say I have one gripe about this is that, and and they may just be waiting on revealing the actual cast members or the actual characters themselves, but. Because they kept reusing Yaz and Vinder and um, Dan in their subsequent um, memories and or time streams, it it felt like they were they were losing out on the story a little bit because throwing these characters in a it definitely co- cuts the cost down. You don't have to purchase or you don't have to pay the other actors to come in. But it would have been great to see the original team. That was with the Doctor in the first place. I think that's the point, though. You don't know who the team is because we might get more characters introduced later that you wouldn't expect have been there since the beginning. Or throwback characters from past episodes that came back that we don't know about. This is true. This is definitely true. After talking about, like, Atropos, is that the place? I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah, so anyways, yeah, they went there, they, they, they imprisoned yeah, those guys, I, and then the, those guys recently came out and broke out of their prison and killed the Mori, who were the ones who were basically keeping them imprisoned, and um, set off this whole season. Yeah, just after we were talking about, um, you know, Atropos, I thought Michael, when he was saying, like, my one gripe is that it is too close to Adipose. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what I kept thinking during the episode. Oh, well, yeah, that, that that is kind of interesting. I didn't even think about that. I actually really liked the um, the way they did that because I thought that it kind of, you know, made sense because it's like all of them are trapped into the, in the same time storm, so it makes sense that they would pop up different places. That also allows the Doctor to sort of pop in and out. And well, she's in she, the time storm. She's been in the time storm, she's, and that's where she's talking with those yeah, but they're characters. yeah, but they're kind of yeah. That's how she pops in and out of thing. Although I will, I personally did not like the special effects for the time storm. I thought they were a little bit. I liked the lighting ropey. effects in in that scene where like the doctor was talking to Yaz and they kept like altering the lighting on her face mm-hmm. a little bit. That was eerie. I liked that a lot. We also have the reintroduction of the Ruth Doctor, of course. 
with because we had to go back to the doctor's past, so we have her jumping in and out all the time throughout this episode. I thought and that, that was really powerful, great. the switching in between them and mm-hmm. doing the personas. I thought that worked really well. And you know, I, they, I think they it start, made this doctor look stronger. Yeah, and while we were, you know, in a time storm, I was brainstorming and I'm gonna call it now. I mean, since the end of the episode I, I already am thinking another direction, but maybe Ruth is the next doctor coming up time streams all mixed up in different that directions was a theory that i had too like it pressed so much that this was like the past i'm like there's no evidence to prove that the ruth doctor isn't the future and that's going to come right and didn't we hear about like some rumors of like another doctor or another character that is known in the universe you know potentially taking up the role like going forward i mean i don't know about that although claire is someone that we haven't figured out who she is we don't know who the old lady was that that the doctor ended up talking about. It could have been one of the other members of the team. Could have been, or it could have been a future doctor or past. I, Everyone's a future doctor that we don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't know about that. That doesn't, shouldn't sound very doctor-like. No, the doctor wouldn't really behave and talk in that manner. Yes. Oh, I don't think so. I mean, if you remember the first doctor and how he addressed the second and third doctor, it's very, there's actually some similarities in the way that she addressed... I actually yeah, liked like that a, about about Ruth, the Ruth Doctor, like her, like interaction with the Doctor, the where she you? was just like, "No, you're not me." Like, like <laughs> that was, that's what the Doctor does. To that's himself. what the Doctor always yeah. does to himself. It was great. It was perfect. He's always judging himself. You gotta get yourself some laughs. Yeah. No, but, but I don't think the Doctor would be like, "Ah, oh, yeah, screw the universe." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just like fundamentally out of character. I did like uh, how the doctor was taking some charge, you know, at the end here. You know, it turns down, like, do as you're told. <laughs> like, with the ads, does, does everything have to be a discussion? I had an issue with that, but that's the issue I've always had through the 13th doctor's reign, is that she's always been like, yes, don't know anything, you don't need to know this. Like, like I don't know, the doctor in the past, in my, my thrown observations, has always kind of been a lot more transparent with his companions, um, than Jody had been with her companions throughout her reign. And maybe this leads up to that reason because she does have a huge identity crisis for a lot of her. No, and I think you're well, totally right. But what reign. I thought was refreshing about this is that it wasn't like kind of, you know, toned down or kind of done in the, a passive aggressive way. It was, it was very doctor way. It was very upfront yeah. about it when before it's just been like, Oh, you know, I'll just not tell my friends about things because I'm it's protecting like, them. Get in the TARDIS and shut up. But this is like I know what's going on. I'm <laughs> talking about it. Do it just I, I feel like it's 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 a way to bring conflict between Yaz and the Doctor, which which was an old trope back during the Fifth Doctor era when they had Adric, Nissa, and Tegan. They always had conflict. The problem with that though is that you're just inciting conflict for no real reason oh i disagree with all of you guys on this i i don't think it was that at all i thought that this was extremely in character for the doctor because the doctor consistently is like open and likes to share knowledge about science and everything except for when it comes to something about him yeah his life and so this this doctor has been very you know like withholding but it's all been about stuff that's about life it's just that that's been a large part of the plot so that actually, I think, is okay. pretty consistent. And I thought that, you know, I mean, she went through some, you know, massive, you know, emotional things. We saw the doctor actually, like, completely, like, lose her temper and, like, 
be like, I want to do this crazy thing and someone actually having to pull her out, which we haven't seen in a long time. And then, you know, she's very frustrated and just trying to get through, trying to get away from, you know, all of this upsetting stuff. And then like Yaz is just like, you know, says something and she's just like, oh, just shut up. You know, I, I thought that it, it actually it built more into the emotional, you know, journey that the doctor went through in this episode more than creating a conflict with Yaz. I think it was more of, you know, someone that you've been friends with for a long time, you might feel more comfortable lashing out at them because you don't feel like they're just going to, like, yeah. ditch you right afterwards because you just met them. And, you know, it does kind of make sense that she would lash out at Yaz in that situation. There's an old joke about the classic series, too, where the doctor always says, I'll explain it later. And that's because he doesn't necessarily want to take the time to explain to his companions. And, and occasionally, so, I think, doesn't know the answer. <laughs> and, well, yeah, and occasionally that. But I think that's part of the reason why they kind of went with that ideal. I, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. I just feel like sometimes it feels like with Jody's doctor it feels a little bit forced I, I don't know why I just it's just a feeling I get when I I, I doubt what you're saying but I actually felt like this was a refreshing episode in that I didn't feel like it was forced I thought that it came out very naturally and I thought that it it felt a little bit more like they're not you know trying to like focus on the fact that the doctor's a woman or trying to write for that it's just like this is just how the doctor always is yeah i mean the situation definitely you know called for a more forceful doctor as well and you also i mean i think that the situations usually do but you know i think finally they're in line i think with kind of the reaction well, you also have to keep in mind, like, you know, when women are a lot more, like, forward and dominant, they get perceived a lot more as, like, mean or aggressive societally. So when the doctor does, you know, display those traits, um, it's more just socially accepted to kind of make those assumptions without really thinking about it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I'd like to think, you know, in, in the universe, you know, later in, later in time, these things would be less of a, a problem in the grand universe of, of progress, you know, as you go forward, at least, in the TARDIS. Mm -hmm. But it seems to carry over still in a little Doctor Who. I kind of want to touch base a little bit with their relationship between um, Belle and Binder. Ah, yeah. A little bit of... There's one thing that Belle said that kind of stuck out to me when she was on that planet with all those, like, Cybermen. She said that um, the reason she knew about the Flux and everything was because she knew a dude at a bar that told her everything that she knows about the Flux. So I'm like, okay, who did she meet at this bar? When did they meet at this bar? Well, I don't know. I mean, my first thought... And that's a great catch because I, I didn't even pick so up I on that. So I wrote it down. But um, if... She met a guy in a bar in the universe who told her things. I kind of got to go with Captain Jack Harkness. That would be the obvious. But isn't he, like, not coming back? Isn't that, like, the whole issue? That, that doesn't mean that he can't be mentioned. Men yeah, he can referenced. be mentioned. That's a great point, too. Yeah. I love the... the Time was mentioned. I love the fact that she took out six Cybermen on her own, and she also had that whole conversation with the the last Cyberman who was trying to record her mission. She's like, okay, fine, just write love. And the Cyberman's like, well, love's not a mission, that's an emotion. And, of course, she said, her reply was classic, love is the only mission, idiot. Aww. 
And you're the one lying on the floor, so you can buzz off. Yeah, love me. I mean, she was just, she was just such a badass. And so was Vinder, too, man. He, like, stood up for what he believed in, even though it just, like, totally wrecked him and got him sent in that outpost out in the middle of space because he, like, you know, spoke up against a powerful person and... I mean, like, gosh darn it, that was really impressive. And it's just like, and both of them are just fighting their way across the universe to, like, be together again. Yeah, we finally got some character development in him, which was very desperately needed after a couple episodes of, like, mentions and screenshots about, you know, much of a story or, you know, even, you know, much of a personality behind him. But I think that's finally coming in together, and now he's coming into the TARDIS, so. Arguably, you also have three of the main... Doctor Who enemies all in one episode. Cybermen, Daleks, Weaving Angels? Yeah, which is very difficult to to do that. And I I thought that was a cool move with the Weeping Angels because it would make sense. I mean, if they're in Time Storm, they could just generally be disrupting time. Yeah. It's a good good way to do it. But also, now that they're on board the TARDIS, thanks to Yaz's phone... Yeah. Yeah. That's weird, though. That's, like, such a sign of the times. Like, we haven't really seen the... The Weeping Angels invade technology like that before. Like we, Yeah, we've seen them invade technology before. Not like that, though, where like, no. you could just be on your iPhone in the TARDIS and boom, Weeping Angel, or like in a video game. Like, that's very 2021. And I kind of liked it, almost like how I liked the new Chucky, because before Chucky was like, oh, dude, possessed doll. Chucky now is basically just technology gone wild. I felt like it was a really good way to kind of adapt to the changing, you know, actual time. But also, like, that's really screwed up because then you can kind of end up with a weeping angel anywhere real fast. What I thought was interesting here was, like, this season, I was like, we, we saw so many different nods to different uh, races and enemies and big bad guys in Doctor Who, but we hadn't seen Daleks. And as Daleks come up, they're, they come up for 15 seconds and they're an afterthought. Um Compared to everything else that is going on. I think like, one of the... I think it's, you know, it's, uh, it's the most... Uh, it's the most that the Dalek has ever been put in the corner uh, I think, before in, in terms of you know threats. I think with the Daleks, they are a race that's so powerful and almost almost too important to the t- typical timeline for Doctor Who that you're it to put them into this kind of setting without just kind of having a brief nod. I think it would be difficult because they just kind of wipe out everybody. And it, it is sort of like gave you a lot of background on Belle just because she made a just offhand comment of like, oh, yeah, I managed to get around the Daleks and like for once not worried about them. Remember how we used yeah. to fight them? Ha ha. Like, yeah, that, was the like, whole, that was the whole Dalek introduction well, to the season. Well, I think that it was. Yeah. But I think that it was more of a descriptor of Belle than it was of the Daleks. Oh, well, yeah. I just think like, we know the Daleks. Yeah, we don't yeah. care. They want to kill everything. That's it. It's just not what you expect usually, you know, from the Daleks. Yeah, you're right. You know? A cool costuming design was that uh, for the early Atropos scenes, the Doctor's coat is reversible, and so we've got the dark coat motif. And that was kind of cool because um, that's kind of a nod to Sylvester McCoy's Doctor because he started off with a very light coat, but as he got darker and more manipulative, his coat turned into a dark brown color. And... That I can see why they kind of did that. The Doctor was a darker kind of character being in the division and going around being a space police, which the Doctor would never seem to do in the current 
incarnations. Well, it seemed like the doctor was kind of coerced into it. Pro- possibly, but she's definitely a lot tougher and a lot more. Yeah. A lot darker than than uh, Jody's doctor. For sure. So it kind of it kind of fits the theme of the doctor in their past. Plus, it also it the, we're still shrouded in mystery, so it kind of is a, I guess maybe. A color metaphor or something. <laughs> it's kind of cool how they did that. All right. Any other thoughts? I find it funny how the doctor gave Indra pager, essentially. What? Like, at the I... end, it was like, here's this thing, just press zero, and it's a direct line to me. Oh, yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> kind, of a, kind of a nod back to the previous doctors who had cell phones for everybody, including Winston Churchill and... <laughs> Speed dial, baby. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I liked um, how we, you know, heard about, got some, you know, more of a fleshed out character of Dan, where, you know, he had been engaged and then she, you know, broke up with him two days before the wedding and he's kind of, you know, not been able to figure out love life since. I think that makes him more human. It does. And definitely more relatable. For sure. It also gives him a little bit more, um, I don't know, it gives him more character development, well, definitely character development, but I think it kind of gives you an idea as to why Dan, at the beginning of this whole thing, was just kind of there trying to go into a museum and be the person that led everybody around. I think he was trying to find himself still, and that makes sense after you've gone through such a horrible breakup. Um, it, you're going to be like questioning yourself. You're going to be thinking, well, am I right? Am I okay? Is no, is anybody actually going to like me? That kind of thing. Yeah. And it, it, it does. It sort of, it, it makes it, uh, a little bit when he makes jokes, a little more of, uh, like cheering himself up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could see that. So there you have it. Well, maybe we should move on to ratings. It's a date to rate. Let's get. Let's do it. Um, I'm. I'm in. Uh, I'll jump right into it. You know, per usual, I will lead the pack here. I will put it on on my shoulders to go in and journey with the first kind of review of the Hoovian review. Go, Rudolph. All right. Now, now that we're pre- past the preamble, there's there's a lot on my mind here in this episode, and there's and like a, like this season, um, a lot going on. Um, I think there are many elements here, and to be frank, I think the first half of this episode was pretty disorienting. Um, I think uh, a lot of us can agree with those elements. Just too many people um, going through time in different places with different jumps. Some elements being familiar and constant, some not making sense with what we know about the past, some futures in there with um, memories from another time. It's very jumbled and I think a little hard to keep track of. I know why they did it and I think it does come together a little bit more um, and make sense coming into the later half here. But I think we still have a lot of questions to be left answered after this episode. Like I'm I, I feel like uh, almost every episode they introduce more elements and also have a, a few more things to, you know, answer for. Um, some things, you know, we're wrapped up here, but, you know, just to add to the disorientation, you know, we, we have Belle being brought in and we see her for a big part of the episode um, as a brand new character without knowing how she fits in till the very end. Um, I love how she fits in with Fender. It's great character development for the both of them. 
Um, it's really tied together, and there's great character development in this episode around the board, you know, for the Doctor, uh, for Dan, uh, for Yaz, um, even some character development for Swarm and Miss Yule. <laughs> there's a, um, so there's a lot of things that are coming together here. Um, and there's a lot of excitement. You know, we have all the big bad guys. We have Cybermen. We have Daleks. We have Weeping Angels um, all together here. We have, you know, Time Storm, Angels in the Time Storm. We solve this problem of, of going through the Time Storm, but still there's a bigger problem and there's a bigger question of what is the flux? Where does it come from? How does it tie into the Doctor? And, you know, what relation do Swarm and Monsieur have to it? Um, so there's a lot to be intrigued about, a lot to digest, but... Um, and there's frankly really a lot to be excited about, but at the same time, I, I, I did feel like, you know, it was a little out of whack. I think disorienting is the term for about half of it. And a lot of things came together. Um, and I'm still excited to see where it's going in the future. I feel like the right format here is to have a long form story in Dr. Who. Um, I just hope that it all really does come together in the end. Um, but I do think this episode was a little too busy, and that's why it's getting knocked down a peg for me. Um, but still, this episode's earning a 7.5 out of 10, and uh, the season, for me, is is keeping steady from last week in an 8 out of 10. Chase, you want to go next? I'll go next. Okay, so, you know, the doctor was disoriented, we were disoriented, it was just a big pile of timey-wimey mess, to say the least. Like someone threw up an alphabet soup, but in the shape of ten. Um, I really liked this episode a lot, to where I'm a little bit upset because I believe that I rated the past two episodes at a ten, um, which now I'm feeling is a little high because this is like my new standard. If anything, I'm concerned that the episodes following this one won't hold up as much. Um, there is, you know, a lot of complicatedness. There's a lot of timey-wimey stuff going on. A lot of it didn't make sense. Some of it made sense. Um, however, I liked it because, you know, the doctor kind of doesn't really know what's going on for a decent amount of this, and neither did we. So we were kind of just kind of going through what the doctor was going through, and I thought that was a really nice way of kind of engaging the audience in a different way than we have been before. Um, I also think it was a really creative approach. Like, they could have explained all this stuff in more of a linear way, but they decided, no, this is a show about time. Let's just confuse you to death and have a have fun with it. So I thought that was really cool. Um, I am going to rate this a 10, but also this is going to be my new standard, so I just hope that they're able to, like, keep it this good throughout. I'm not sure if that will happen, but we'll see. And so for the season? For the season, I'm giving it a 10 so far as well. Ooh. All right, I will go next. As I said before, I love this episode. Um, really? Yes, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was really great. I actually really didn't think it was very confusing, and maybe that's because you guys preempted me and told me that it was, you know, confusing, that, <laughs> and I was paying, you know, more attention over. But I don't know. I thought once they introduced the concept of this is a time storm, I thought, okay, well, this is just going to be a bunch of time and wimey stuff happening. All I need to do is catch all of the puzzle pieces and then and understand where they fit. So, like, once I knew that something was in the past, I could just place it in time there, and it just stories all... Each story by itself went, you know, chronologically. It was just there were a lot of different stories in, in various broken fragments. And I actually thought that it did all come together and make sense in, in the end, although, yes, as we've said, there's more threads hanging out there, and I really hope they can pull them all together by the end of the season, but we'll see. 
Um, I thought that this did some really stellar stuff. I thought I've always felt that you know one of the the great things about Doctor Who, but also you know sometimes unfortunate, is that you know the way that they tell the story is that you're always following the Doctor's personal timeline that way you know it's never really confusing you're not sitting there watching something chronologically on earth while the doctor pops in and out and they would be all over the place but you know we do kind of miss some of that that exciting and interesting like aspect of time travel of having to fit everything in the right order in your head and we got a lot of that and i thought that was very fun um i really enjoyed like I really enjoyed the whole thing, and I thought that it was it was gripping, and uh, I thought the dialogue was really good. I really it really really felt like a Doctor Who story in every way. I felt like we really had a real Doctor, and you know, <laughs> two of them even, and it you know it really came together. And I'm I was I'm very excited to see what comes next. And I'm gonna give this one a ten out of ten, Woo. and I am bumping up the season rating for me to an eight. A what to an eight? I don't remember what it was. I think it was a seven point five, but now it's oh, seven point okay. eight. Yeah, interesting. I I agree with you that I don't I don't think it was confusing. I think Colin hit it on the head with the busy comment. It is a busy episode with a lot going on, um, and that may be what could confuse some people, especially if they hadn't seen the first two episodes. That would really kind of be like what. <laughs> Um, but even as a standalone, it still holds up to a degree because you, there's a lot of explaining that goes on, especially when the doctor's in the time stream talking to the, the uh, very large-scaled versions of the aliens. Um, but at any rate, this was a love... This was, a, I think, a, a very good example of Doctor Who doing romance. And I think it was Doctor Who doing romance well because... Sometimes in the past, doctor, the doctor's the primary focus for the romance, or the companion is, uh, with regards to how they feel about the doctor. In this case, you've got uh, a, a love story that kind of go is interwoven through the plots, and you, you kind of see both sides of the two trying to get back together again. Um, and at the same time, you're also getting... Um, amazing character development with Dan and and of course there's a love theme with that as well with not only his story that he tells but also with Diana who he's kind of got an interest in even though it's kind of jumbled in this particular as his sister is trying to find love yeah exactly um and then oh yeah yeah as his sister is also trying to find love so it it definitely got that component um but I just I really I really think that Chris Chibnall is shining in his ability to write this season and and that's and I'm guessing that that's probably because he's got this new format that he is used to in his previous series he always would have the same kind of format and his characters were very well developed and this was I like I said this is a very inventive way of kind of exploring the different characters throw them back into their own time streams whether it's the future present or past and um, obviously the Doctor and Vinder get to go to their past. And that kind of really explains a little bit more of both of them because I think those two were the most mysterious of the characters that we had. I mean, the Doctor is Doctor Who. Um, but then also Vinder's kind of a new character. We haven't really had a chance to get to know him or why he's even in this. 
Um, and that was that was it, it brings a lot more together. But at the same time, it brings up more questions. Um, it would have been um, it, it obviously was kind of a throw the Daleks and Cybermen in kind of moments not necessarily giving them a whole lot to do, which I would knock it down a peg because there could be, you could have had like maybe one Cyberman or maybe one Dalek that you used a little bit differently. But other than that, I mean, it, it really did kind of give you a gigantic grand scale of the universe all folding in on itself and just the love story between these two people trying to get back together while basically the whole universe is falling apart. Um, kind of a beautiful story. I'm going to give this episode, despite my grievances, I'm going to give this episode a 9 out of 10, which then bumps my overall score for this season to an 8 out of 10. Mm, so we're, we're, a lot of us are in line with like a season with an 8. I, yeah. It sounds like I'm the most far off, you know, on the down in the dumps of this episode. And it's not to say that I didn't enjoy it, but... And also, I, I think, you know, what... Michael said was a lot what I resonate with. I know you use the term disorienting a lot because you couldn't piece it all together in the moment. You really had to keep track of it and get it later on. But it wasn't necessarily confusing. But I do think a lot of it was too busy in terms of the plot. This is going to be one that I think I'm going to feel confident I'm going to enjoy more on a second pass after I go through it. But the also thing that I'm missing and lacking in this episode, and honestly the season so far that I really love about Doctor Who is that it often sparks my intellectual curiosity and gives me some good philosophical questions to ponder in the hours and the days to come away from it. And I haven't seen that yet. Um, I think potential for a good story and really a grand scale, which I love. Um, But those are elements that are still lacking for me. And, you know, maybe coming through with it and after the season, I might rate these things more better individually once they really can place them in the whole time stream of this this season but as a standalone i still think 7.5 makes sense but an, an eight for a season happy with the season so far i like what they're doing i like the potential and i like a continuation in the story All i've right. got a few comments to add to this too as i forgot to mention one thing that did actually bug me about this episode was why did the glowing pyramid ask the doctor if she could if she could repair when they'd already repaired it? Maybe that it wasn't just, actually repaired. We don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That, that, that just kind of bugged me. And then um, also, I don't think that... I mean, okay, so there was... Uh, let's go back to the, you know, 12th Doctor and Bill, first episode pilot, where they run, you know, through time and whatever. No one had any complaints about the Daleks and the Cybermen just being an afterthought that were in the background that they were running through. We all loved that. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I didn't think that it was that bad of a thing to have I them. Think I'm pretty much all fine with that. Honestly. I was fine with it too. I was going to actually point out that I disagreed with Michael because the thing is, we already know about the dogs. We already know about the Cybermen. If anything, you know, and then there's like there's the Daleks, the Cybermen, the Leaping Angels. Correct. Those are the main three. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like we already know them. The whole point was that she was just passing through. You know, like, we know what they're capable of. We even got an upfront interaction with her in a Cyberman. Don't think that that was necessary for her and a Dalek. They just kill her, whereas Cybermen are a little more stupider. 
But I love what they did with the Weeping Angels. I am so curious, curious as to where that angel is going to take them. Well, yeah, because when we first saw the Weeping Angels, their whole goal was to get the TARDIS, and now one of them has the TARDIS, so we actually get to see what they're going to do with it. Taking it back into the time storm. Well, I'm wondering Imagine. like what they can do. I mean, they feed off Artron energy, and that's sort of coursing through the TARDIS for one thing, but then that also opens them up to, I don't know, travel all the time and space attacking people. <laughs> Jesus. It's, it's unlimited just, power. Yeah, unlimited yeah. feed, essentially. And, yeah, that's Energy. pretty much like their whole thing as far as we know. Yeah, like this is like the Weeping Angels, like their biggest goal ever. Now we get to see what they do with it. It would have been nice to hear the Daleks actually say something. I, I, liked I don't your, think so. Yeah. I think it was fine just to be like, oh, they exist, they're there, but they're not the issue. These yeah, things Maybe are. like a nice exterminate. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. At least Nicholas Briggs was in the episode for the Cybermen role, which they used the same voice for, thankfully. Um, but they did, I, I think you might notice that the Cybermen are kind of a combination of new Cybermen and classic. I the, noticed that with their bigger yeah. head equipment. The bigger heads nice. definitely are a nod back to the classic series. I think these may still be the Cybermen that were utilized uh, in the um, Timeless Children. Hmm. The ones that... Are you sure they haven't been upgraded? <laughs> I mean, they could well, be they from are. anywhere in time and space, really. <laughs> I mean, you know, the flux going through, they could be from anywhere. <laughs> I'm just going to say they, that this is definitely an improvement. And I, maybe it makes it may make a little a few more people a little bit more comfortable with the timeless child um, storyline. It makes me more comfortable with it. Also, I liked how Vinder knew what a TARDIS was. I did before too. Getting he was like, it. I didn't think these were real. This can get me home. Yeah, like, you know, it. Like it's been way too long since we've had an alien companion, like a non-Earthling companion. And it was kind of refreshing. Is he, is he human? Well, he's not an Earthling. Not an earthling. So, I mean, that would make him an alien regardless of whether or not he's human. Unless he's a, from the human race that's been expanded. Yeah, I know, but yeah, you know, kind of, it's, literally from another it's worth clarifying the, point the language is he knows in this other context. Things. Yeah. Well, yeah. But yeah, he knows other things. It's a little bit like having Turlo back on board without the, you know, assassin. It, it, it would be interesting to know how he knows it's a TARDIS. Because that, that would, that's another mystery about his character that's kind of been brought well, up. I mean, if he had heard the stories of TARDISes, then it makes sense that he would know that by yeah, There should be a lot of TARDIS lore in the universe. I don't know. Yeah. The mister, mysterious Time Lords and their equipments. Well, the TARDIS probably is well, pretty... Well, it's interesting that he knows what a TARDIS is, but he doesn't recognize the Doctor's TARDIS, so he obviously heard it through something other than mm -hmm. a Doctor's story. True. Or or it just wasn't the Doctor's TARDIS. It just was kind of... Just no one mentioned it was shaped like a... Well, kind of like the telephone box. effect where a story starts as one thing, but as it's passed down generations and generations and generations, you're going to have a whole new story. So it may not even be the Doctor even mentioned. Plus, may feasibly, you know, with all these new Doctors that we don't know about, there's large swaths of time of the Doctor's timeline where the TARDIS was more malleable and not stuck in a phone booth thing that's that still seems to be a big kind of plot hole kind of issue well, with, with like ruth you know if ruth was back in time but if ruth is the is actually the future and it's been a time disorientation then it does explain a little bit more why ruth's tardis is stuck as a phone booth if yeah. she is pre-first doctor yeah that makes sense 
it's hard to it's hard to put her before William Hartnell because William Hartnell's TARDIS got stuck as the London police box during his time in 1963 Earth. Unless they're going to explain this later. Who knows? I don't think they're going to. I've lost hope that that's going to get explained. But Yeah, I think that's where the BBC might say, we'll explain this later, and then and they the never do, years. and they don't know the answer. Plot, plot hole, plot hole. Russell T. Davies, we're counting on you. <laughs> Come in with some explanations. Yeah, he, he might wrap things up pretty well. All right, well, that wraps up our episode for this week, and hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed watching. And talking about it. Yeah. Um, give us your thoughts. Bye. Gobble, gobble, y'all. Bye. <laughs>